Welcome back to another edition of What's Up ABQ. On today's episode, whether it's a winnable case, whether it's a provable case, I don't think that it should be a political or a career decision. It should be the decision of what's right. Our guest discusses the serious subject of the criminal justice system in our state and how he has been affected by it. Then we switch gears to talk about other scary things in New Mexico, namely the hauntings and legends of folklore. And he wants to hear your stories on his podcasts. That's right. We're talking podcasts on our podcast and what goes into making a really good podcast. Let's get started with this week's What's Up ABQ podcast. What's up, Albuquerque? This is Lindsay. And this is Ryan. And this is season two of What's Up ABQ. Welcome back. I'm Ryan. And I'm Lindsay. And today we have with us Eric Carter Landine. So it's not often that we get to interview other podcasters on our show, but what makes you special is that you're a local podcaster. So tell us what local podcasts you are a part of, kind of tell us what they're about and how you got started. Yeah, sure. So um, my first podcast that I started is True Consequences, which is a true crime and mystery podcast based in New Mexico. Uh, all New Mexico crime stories. I have always said that it would be American Desert Southwest if I run out of content, but uh, as you probably know, I'm never going to run out of content on crime in New Mexico. There's so much of it. So that's that's the first one. The second one, I have a co-host. We call him Co-Ghost, <laughs> named Alex. And uh, that's Dos Pequeños, which is a paranormal comedy podcast with all New Mexico-based stories. And I'm a big fan, I just got to say. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I think we have three big fans in the room right now. We were saying a long time ago, I know Ryan and I were back season one when we did our interview at the Old Town Ghost Tour. Mm-hmm. We were talking to the, the people that run that and we were saying, why is there not a ghost podcast coming out of New Mexico? Because there's so many stories and you always hear, oh my, this happened to my uncle, this mm-hmm. happened to my aunt, this happened on the Pueblo. Like, it's always like removed, like once or twice removed from you, but there's always a good story there. So I'm really excited that you're covering it. Why ghosts? Is that what started this? Well, um, you can see from my shirt that I've always been into really weird stuff. Ever since I was little, actually, I've, I've always enjoyed the paranormal, aliens, ghosts, anything that's strange as well as serious killers and all those other weird things which is why i have a true crime show and a paranormal show it's just something that's always fascinated me especially because anything that's mysterious and unexplained is always interesting and never boring for me and so i used to spend hours and hours in the library when i was like nine ten years old just reading all about the bermuda triangle and like aliens and just anything that was weird. I was just always a weird person and I still am, I guess. I feel like that's the question as a New Mexican also that we always get from people that are like non-New Mexico. The only thing they've ever heard of is Roswell. So that's the first question we always get, which is like, oh, have you ever been to Roswell? And you're like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) like, what do you want to know? Well, you know, it was kind of funny. I was listening to one of your episodes recently and, um, I was like, you know, you're right. There is a lot of weird stuff in the Southwest. And like, it's like, that's from here. That's from here. Like Chupacabra, La Llorona, Skinwalkers, uh, tons of ghost stories. The Taos Hum. Yeah. They recently did an episode of Psychic Kids, which I watched. Yes, I watched Psychic Kids. Okay, Okay, calm down. (laughs) Like, (laughs) and they did it at um, Painted Lady Bed and Brew, which is a place we've interviewed. I 
watching it. Yeah, so they did an episode there, and I was like, see, New Mexico, you've got it yeah. like going on in the ghost realm for sure. And, and I can personally attest to Painted Lady. When we were there to record, before we were on mic, I was like, I feel like I've never had an issue with ghosts before. Like, I may have, like, no, had... Personal issues no, I, no, like, we've always been copacetic. Like, we've always... <laughs> no, we, we've always been good. We've always been, like, it might be kind of funny, you know, but, like, not, never, like, ominous. harmony? No, really. And then I was sitting down, and I was like, I feel like I'm being watched. Like, it's that classic, but, like, you're not welcome here sort of watched, yeah. you know? Which is funny, because it was an old brothel, and I I told Ryan, I'm like, dude, it's because you're a guy. Like, you're here and they're watching you because you're a guy. They don't want you here. I know. I was like, I haven't done anything to anyone. Like, <laughs> you do you, I'll do me. I'm just here to record a podcast episode. <laughs> like, don't mess up the recording, okay? Yeah. <laughs> so that was covering your your um, paranormal podcast. What about your, your true crime podcast? How'd you get started with that? So, uh, like I said, I've always been into that kind of stuff, but... Uh, I had a personal tragedy when I was about six years old. My brother was murdered and the person responsible was never prosecuted, never charged. And I've always told myself that I would do something to either help my brother's case or help other people in the same situation, because it's it really is the worst feeling to feel like you're just completely forgotten by the justice system, completely ignored. And so, unfortunately, that happens a lot in this state. Um, I know it happens a lot in other places, but living here, uh, you get to see it up close and personal. Um, and I started to watch things happen like Omar Ivarella's case, Victoria Martin's case, Baby Brianna's case, all of these horrible child abuse cases decades after my brother's. And I couldn't believe that we were still in the same situation. And so I kept racking my brain about what I could do to make an impact, to have a voice for people who don't have a voice. And it hit me as I'm listening to all these true crime podcasts that I listen to that I could do that myself. Of course, there were some learning curves and some growing pains and all of those things that happen when you first start off. But um, I, I feel like I've really accomplished what I wanted to by allowing family members of victims to share their stories, making it hyper local, very focused on the state in particular, while also being able to provide some more context and give these families the opportunity to tell their story in their own words. The news can only do so much and they kind of edit you down to a few minutes. Yeah. Families on my show can talk for as long as they want. And there's really no reason for me to edit anything out other than anything that they don't want me to, to air. So. And I know that podcasts, we don't have to censor ourselves. So I am going to ask, what are the top three ways that you feel like we are failing in the justice system in New Mexico? Because I think it's a conversation we should have been having a long time ago. Yeah. <clears throat> There's a lot of challenges that we have in this state. One of the most frustrating things for me was learning that prosecutors get to decide what cases they try and what cases they don't, which I can understand that in certain circumstances. But when you're talking about the abusive murder of a child, I feel like there should be no question. Whether it's a winnable case, whether it's a provable case, I don't think that it should be a political or a career decision. It should be the decision of what's right. And for example, my brother's case never went to trial because the prosecutor didn't feel like they could win it. Not that it's not a winnable case, and not that there probably isn't or could be a prosecutor that could potentially win that case. It's just up to their discretion. So I think that's one thing that could change, especially as it pertains to child abuse. 
Other issues that we have are the fact that we're just a very defendant-friendly state. And I think that has positives and negatives to it. You know, like in some cases, I think it makes sense. Um, And I'm all about rights. Everybody should have their rights, right? But it's almost like the victims get ignored as a result of that. And I feel like we should try to find some more balance in that system. And then... We have other issues like the catch and release policies that have been enacted by the state, um, which were meant to ease overcrowding, uh, which haven't done that. Overcrowding is still an issue. And now you have the situation where people who are violent repeat offenders continually are being let out of jail to continue to offend, be rearrested, let out again. And it's a vicious cycle. And a lot of these people will escalate their behavior. So there's just so many things working against us. You add on top of that poverty, you add on top of that systemic racism issues and everything else that is going on in the state and in this country. It's a recipe for disaster, honestly. So one of the things you had mentioned earlier was that you you had this tragic incident happen um, and you're like, what can I do? Um, and eventually you're like, oh, I can, I can do a podcast. You know, I can give myself a voice and my brother a voice, but also other people. So, and it's kind of like when you're starting a business, but when you're starting a podcast, like, can you describe what it was like to going from, I'm not sure what to do that I'm doing this podcast. What was that like? <laughs> uh, it was very stressful. <laughs> I, I'm a bit of a perfectionist and not knowing how to do everything right away was very frustrating for me. And I've made a lot of mistakes and I made a lot of decisions that if I would have known what I know now, I would not have made those choices, but it's all a learning process. And so I've had to kind of grow into that and to be willing to be uncomfortable in in that space because I, I always had in my mind what my mission was, what my plan was, and what I wanted to achieve. And so I could not let that get in the way of it. But it was very uh, uncomfortable, you know, to think about what's this concept going to look like. And and when you're doing it yourself, you guys know, you have to come up with everything. You have to come up with your format. You have to come up with the music. You have to come up with all this other stuff that you wouldn't even think about if you were just a listener of a podcast and when you're an indie podcaster, all of that is on your shoulders, the marketing, the, you know, getting the word out, everything is on your shoulders along with writing content, editing it, and then producing it. Scheduling, getting people to show up or not show up (laughs) or getting your co-host to show up when they forget what day they're supposed to be I thought it was Tuesday and I'm sorry. Okay. (laughs) I'm sorry. I sincerely apologize. Sorry on the podcast. You You got it. All right. Apology. But I think, I think that's true, Eric, like what you're saying, there's so many people that they consume podcasts and they listen, but they forget the amount of work that goes into actually creating this content for the listener to enjoy. And that's something that I, I really hope people can understand. People don't just do a podcast because it's easy. (laughs) I've heard that before. Oh, podcasting. That's probably really easy. You just talk into a mic and I'm like, uh, well, that's part of it, but that's not all of it. And so it's interesting because I think that when you sit down with another podcaster, you have this like understanding of like, I got you. I know, I know what you're doing. <laughs> like, like I see, I see the sweat and the hustle behind this. Yeah. I know, you know, or like you see where you go, where a conversation's going and you're like, okay, we can go these, these ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I think people forget, like they forget. And not only just like one podcast, you're doing two, yeah. like, oh which God. is a whole you're different just, animal. You're doing two as well. This is true. Yeah. But I, you know, my other one's a little more casual format, which is nice. It's parenting versus podcast. Lorenzo, my, my husband slash other co-host is sitting in this room right now. Hey. 
How are you? You don't have to be embarrassed. Nobody can see you. I'm trying to be as silent as possible. I'm just, I'm a fly on the wall, everybody. But no, I, it's, it is hard because you're doing not, now you're not just doing one set of marketing and intro music and this and that. Now it's two and you have to try to keep those things separate and try to figure out all this stuff. So I commend you because it's not an easy task, <laughs> but I think it's a really good thing that you are giving a voice to people that are voiceless or feel like they've been left behind or ignored or forgotten about. Is there anything that has surprised you in either one of your podcasts? Anything you've researched or anybody you've talked to where you're like, whoa, wasn't ready for that? Yeah, I mean, there's there were a lot of surprises. I think learning about the catch and release law was a surprise. I had an idea about it, but I didn't understand how pervasive it was. And the fact that it's basically just a chart that sits on a judge's desk and they look at the chart and they say, eh, you seem like a good guy. Go ahead and go home. You seem all right. Right. Or, you know, looking at somebody like Fabian Gonzalez, who was responsible for trying to hide evidence related to Victoria Martin's death Mm -hmm. in the most horrendous way possible. Um, The fact that he is not only home right now pending sentencing, but also his restriction of contact with children is now gone. So he's now allowed to be around children. And to make things worse, his lawyers are now asking for the court to throw the entire case out, which is looking like it's quite possible. I see. I didn't know that. And that, that is not okay. Like that is angering to me. Like I had no idea. And I'm sure that they're not really advertising this information like on the news and things like that. See that's, and that's, Oh, that is, that is despicable. Like I can't wrap my head around why in any case that would be okay. Our state continues to fail children on all levels. And you know, this isn't meant as an attack on anybody, anybody in office or anybody that's, you know, related to legislation. This is just the facts. This is the reality. And until we're willing to call out what's happening, nothing is going to change. It's been like this for decades and it's not getting better. And so as scary as it is to say that out loud on my show consistently over and over again, I think it's important. I think it's important for people to realize how serious this problem is and how little regard the justice system has for children who are being abused and who are being murdered. And it's an epidemic here. It's a problem. And I know you've been podcasting for a while. Have you seen any change happen over time? Well, um, I think it's little by little, right? I'm going to hit my year anniversary for True Consequences in October. So I'm coming around the corner there. Still kind of new in the podcast world when you think about it from that angle. But um, I think some of the positive changes I've seen is is just hearing back from my listeners saying that they've learned something about the state, about the laws, about how to vote, about how to think about things in a different light, because I think that's that's where it starts. You know, it starts with with that conversation. I interviewed a mom, Nicole Chavez Silver, whose son was murdered in a drive by and you should have a very strong message about, you know, we have a tendency as Americans to just vote with our party. And that's just because it's easier, because they align more with us philosophically or whatever. But you have to think about the person that's running for office as opposed to what party they're a part of, because while they may align with some of your values, they may be responsible for some of the things that are making your life more difficult or some of the things that might be making the justice system more lenient. And those are the things that you have to consider. So when you're looking at judges, like thinking about what their record actually is, and it takes effort, it takes work. You know, it's much easier to just go 
all the way down the party line rather than researching each judge's individual records. But that's the only way we're going to start to see things shift. And so what would you like to see? Because I know election time is coming, guys. It's coming fast and approaching. And I think we're all counting the days at this point. What would you like to see happen? Maybe top three things that you would like to see. Wish list. If you're comfortable (laughs) saying it. If not, it's okay. Well, I'd like to see some sort of investment back into into the community, into into our kids. I think that's an important part of it, whether it's um, investing in education or, you know, dealing with food insecurity, whatever those issues are. But I think that there needs to be some some important changes to the way we handle child abuse in this state. And it hasn't really been a big platform for anybody right now, which is disheartening for me. I don't know that I can expect very much in the way of this election, but uh, I'm hopeful that some of these judges that are coming up for retention that are not good judges will be voted out. Mm-hmm. That's, I think that would probably be one of the top things that I would want to see, sure. along with more focus on how to help children who are being hurt. And I think, you know, We always talk about New Mexico being unique and New Mexico having its own kind of dichotomy. One thing that people living here know to be true is that we are a poor state and we have a lot of poverty and we have a lot of poverty influenced crime. We have a lot of poverty influenced child abuse, like you were mentioning. And so that makes sense that it should be on people's platforms and it should be addressed. And like you said, I'm not sure why it hasn't been already. I don't know if we're just too proud or we want to just pretend like it's not a problem or we have other things going on. I'm not sure, but I did kind of want to, sorry, I'm going to sneak to Lorenzo for a second. Perfect. Yes, please do. Um, Yeah, because there's a lot going on. Lorenzo, you're a teacher at a, at a low income school in town, which I can't say on air, but it's, it's title one. So it's, it's a low income school. So you see that every day in the classroom. And I'm just kind of wondering, like, how does the everyday person deal with this? So did you want to know, like, how, how, like, what are my kids like? As, As an educator, how do you deal with it? As an educator, I see, I see kids who are hungry. I see kids who are parenting, like, believe it or not, like I see kids who are parenting. I see kids who are seeing the worst of humanity and who are dealing with more trauma and more real just hurt than anybody will ever experience in their entire life. Um, yeah, I, I teach at a Title I school, so 95% of my students uh, receive free and reduced lunch. So that means that they are well below the poverty line. Right. And... They deal with a lot, like a lot. And that's why, um, you know, teachers at my school, they, sorry. No, it's okay. It's okay. No, like. It's an emotional topic. It's important. It really is. Like the teachers at my school have tons and tons of compassion for these kids. And we play a bigger role than teacher. Mm -hmm. We are mom. We are dad. I've even had kids call me dad. Just like it was a slip of the tongue. Like, hey, dad, I'm like, I'm not your dad. I'm your, I'm your teacher, but I will, I, I'm, I'm here for you. And it's, you know, it's, it's there. So, well, I was going to say, I think that some of the reasons why these things aren't top of mind for a lot of people, um, there's a number of things that are working against um, people in my position and in similar situations. The first thing is that it's uncomfortable to talk about this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's uncomfortable to listen to somebody talk about this. For the longest time, it was very hard for me to openly talk about my brother's murder and to talk about the abuse that I endured as a child. Because as somebody who's gone through that trauma, 
sometimes revert to wanting to please people, right? Because that's how you were able to survive in a lot of situations. And so I don't want to make you uncomfortable as a listener or as a friend of mine, right? So I'm not going to talk about this stuff. So it just stays buried. And that happens a lot more than people actually being open about this, right? So that's the first problem is that if I'm not willing to talk about it, then I can't expect anything to happen as a result of that because my silence is just allowing it to continue. And I don't mean that if, if anybody listening has experienced trauma and they're not ready to talk about it, like I don't mean that as a dig against that person. It's, it's a thing that is just normal. It's natural to have that reaction. The other issue that we see with legislators in particular is that if an issue isn't affecting them personally or affecting somebody that they know personally, then their skin in the game is pretty low unless they have constituents that are willing to call them and harass them about it until they're until they do something. Coming, and I, I just want to speak to kind of the, the listeners real quick. I, you know, I don't know that everybody knows this, but New Mexico is a mandate report state. So if you see something, my background's in case management and social services. If you see something that doesn't seem right, look right, a child is not acting the way they should for their age, they, they smell like they haven't showered, they haven't had care, they haven't eaten, they're very hungry, there's marks, any of the, if it just doesn't look right, chances are it's not. You can call and do a well check and it is anonymous. You don't have to worry about your name being put out there. You don't have to worry about somebody coming back and saying, why did you call on me? It's anonymous. If it doesn't look right, make the call. It's you're better safe than sorry, because that phone call could be the one, the one thing that changes an outcome for an entire person's life. And there's been several times I've had to make that call and it's not comfortable. It's not pretty. It sucks. But I would much rather be uncomfortable for that moment than know that that child is going home to some terrible situation that's never going to get fixed. So New Mexico is a mandated report state. If you do see child abuse, you think you see child abuse, you're not sure if it's child abuse, make the call. It's fine. No one's going to rat you out. No one's going to get you in trouble. Call. And with that, we are about halfway through our episode. So we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. What's Up ABQ is all about supporting local businesses, and we're proud to be sponsored by Daisy Sticker Company. Fun stickers and affordable prices. Daisy Sticker Company can put your business, group, or team on a decal, cup, pop socket, and business card. Contact Daisy Sticker on Instagram at Daisy Sticker Co. They'll work with your logo, graphics, or can make a custom design just for you. They even created the What's Up ABQ sticker. Add the promo code PODCAST for 10% off your purchase. Daisy Sticker Company. Cool stickers, cool prices. Contact Daisy Sticker on Instagram at Daisy Sticker Co. Sponsors of What's Up ABQ. And we're back. And today we have with us... Eric Carter-Landin. So we were talking about some really heavy stuff. Yeah. 
before the break and stuff that needs to be talked about in New Mexico. And, and I'm glad that we talked about it because it's important and it's necessary and it's it needs to be talked about. I kind of want to shift gears just a little bit, if that's okay. I know we're all, I like we're all in here like, okay, take a breath. Okay, <laughs> okay cool. If you, if you went through the first half with us, thank you for hanging out. Thank you for listening because it's important. Um, I want to kind of shift to your second podcast, which is Dos Pequeños. You have a co-host as well. So how did you, the two of you decide that you wanted to do this and you wanted to do like a co-hosting scenario? Uh, so Alex has been a guest co-host on True Consequences a couple times. And I just felt like we had good chemistry. I've been friends with Alex for nearly 20 years now. And we've always had a very similar sense of humor. And I wanted somebody like Alex to be my co-host in this project just because I need somebody that can keep up with my smart ass humor. Um, and he definitely does that. And he, he <laughs> even exceeds mine sometimes, which is, which is good. But we were talking about this while we were recording one of the episodes that he was on. And I said, like, I really want to do this project. And he was like, he got so excited about it. And I'm like, man, we should just do this together because you guys probably don't know, but like hosting a show by yourself is really hard and kind of depressing. I don't think I could do it, honestly. No. Like, I don't think I could do it. It's a, so. lot, of, it's a lot of work to do because it's all on you, yeah. um, which is why I do a lot of interviews on True Consequences, because it just makes it a little bit easier for me. But with Alex, you know, we, we can split the work. We can we can share the research and everything together. And uh, it, it makes it a lot easier to manage it. And he's a lot of fun. He is uh, just as much of a smart ass as I am. And and he has a great voice for, for podcasting. I'm a little jealous of it. <laughs> no, you, you guys have a really good back and forth. And I think it's a nice balance, especially in a paranormal podcast. Because I don't know, like, about you guys, but, like, I always want to believe everything. And, like, Eric's pointing at himself, too, right now. Uh, but, I want to believe. Right? All of us in well, this But not everybody. And that's what's really, really fun about it. Because it's like, you know, I just want to drink all, all the communion juice. You know, but I love the banter. The banter yeah. is so fun. And that's part of the reason, like, I love paranormal stuff. But then the banter is just like the cherry on top. So for me, I'm just like, this is the best. Well, <laughs> it also makes me think it's like, OK, like, you know, the last episode I listened to, you talk about chupacabras yeah. and like, it's so new. It was from what, 95, 95, you know, and you're like, I wish it was 97. But, you know, no, if it is 95, like you hear chupacabra and you're already like, oh, that's a legend. Oh, that's a myth. And you're like, oh, that must be so old. And it's like, it's really not. Yeah. Like, yeah. And it's funny because I had that thought with Alex in my mind where I was like, well, does that make the legitimacy of this you know, myth less because it's so recent? Everything started at some point. Mm -hmm. That's not what makes it less. There's other things that make it less legitimate. But, <laughs> but uh, it was interesting to learn that. It shocked me as well that it's such a recent phenomenon. Yeah, and I was blown away by that. And then also, it's just like little things you'll mention about town. You know, again, I'm still relatively new to move back to town. And whatever, it's been like a it's, year. It's been a year, but I, that's a year's not long. A year's not long. Right. And and I, I find out like little things about like tidbits, like supernatural or supposedly supernatural tidbits about like downtown and stuff. And it's like I had no idea. That's really cool. Like I'm all into that. Yeah, and I think we were talking kind of like before the podcast, before we started, about how a lot of the like the oral tradition in New Mexico is like. Like, it's like once removed from you. So like you'll hear a story, but it won't be the story from what happened to the person you're talking to. It'll be somebody they know. So it'll be like, well, my sister's boyfriend or like my brother's cousin. I guess that would be your cousin, too. I don't know. Um, 
Maybe. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> Who am I to say? Um, no, it's, you're hearing these things like once removed or twice removed. And so you're kind of like, you don't ever get like all the information of the story or you hear bits and pieces of like hearsay about a story or a situation. And so it's nice to kind of get the history and the background and like the entirety of the picture you're trying well, to paint. But that's that's part of like the storytelling, like current mythos of New Mexico is that that's, that's how these stories perpetuate naturally, mm-hmm. you know? And so like you're going to be hard pressed to find a first person. This happened to me at this place at this time. Like it's already wrapped in this sort of like, you know, shrouded mystery. Shrouded mystery. No, but it really is. Well, and it's crazy too because like I was listening to the Skinwalker episode and I am not oh, native, but for whatever reason, I get so freaked out by Skinwalkers. Like I don't know what it is. I'm like, I don't want to be on a Pueblo like when the sun is going down. Like that's where I'm at because I will scare myself. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, I don't think I'm ever going to camp up my bandolier. Yeah. I just don't think I'm not going to do it. No, um, no. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Like, it's these things that you hear about. And then when you were talking about it and you're saying, you know, like even like the native culture, like unless you're really close with somebody, they're not going to say they're not going to talk about it. Well, and I'm like, because that you're not supposed to. Right. I'm like, yeah. that's some scary shit. Yeah. Like, I'm all in. <laughs> right. No, and then like you guys were actually talking about it. And I was like, oh, sweet. I mean keep it really quiet <laughs> we don't want them to hear you right? but seriously well, i like i live like you know on the edge of the desert in the like south south of mm-hmm. town and like i hear coyotes all the time i mean, it isn't a big deal in town but like and then like i feel like there's stuff that happens in my house but maybe it's me maybe it's not it's i don't know you. maybe it's maybelline but uh <laughs> <laughs> No, I just think it's great. And so I know that you are actually putting out a call for stories. Mm -hmm. Um, If people have spooky New Mexico stories, or maybe they didn't happen in New Mexico, maybe they happened somewhere else, and you just feel like, I don't know what this is, but here's my creepy story. How can they get a hold of you so they can share it? Sure. It's not restricted to New Mexico if you're going to share your story. We're going to do, I think we finally settled on a name of what the episodes are going to be called, but basically we're going to read other people's stories uh, back to them. And you can find numerous ways to contact me. You can contact us on Facebook at Dos Pequeños, on Twitter at Dos Pequeños, Instagram, same thing. Um, you can go to dospequeños.com um, or you can email spookenios at gmail.com. It's S-P-O-O-K-Q-U-E-N-O-S at gmail.com. Uh, we want those stories. We want to tell them. We want to share them. Uh, it's just a lot more fun. Uh, and it's kind of nice to be able to share those communal stories, you know, on the uh, podcast. They will also accept ravens bringing messages as yes. well as skinwalkers running alongside their car. We will yeah. not accept skinwalkers. <laughs> no, skinwalkers. Don't, okay, don't send skinwalkers no, to us, please. <laughs> nix that, nix that. <laughs> they will not be accepted that way. <laughs> so do you have a New Mexico story or something you've heard from another New Mexican related to ghosts and spooky stuff that like really made your skin crawl like firsthand? Or is there a place? Lorenzo's laughing at me. What is so funny? No, you said like we're talking about skinwalkers and using skin crawling. I don't know. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. I tend to do that. I tend to I tend to corral my language into one little little thing. Yeah, I would be curious to know, like, what have you heard from people locally? Like, have you heard anything really creepy where you're like, I didn't know that? Uh, I think we've learned a lot about, I think Skinwalkers was probably the creepiest uh, in terms of hearing stories and reading stories and learning about them. Uh, that that really spooked me out. But growing up in New Mexico, it's just, that's always been there. Um, we were talking before we started recording about La Llorona being a, a constant threat 
for New Mexican kids, where, you know, most other places are going to threaten you with Santa Claus not bringing you presents. My family's threatening me that I'm going to be drowned in the ditch by a ghost. So, you know, there, there's that just messed with me on, on a whole different you think level. This is a game? Yeah, <laughs> it's not. It's not a game. I feel like my New Mexicans have been instilling trauma in their children for a very long time. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think it prepares you for life. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, I've I've been relatively what I would call sensitive to things. And uh, I talked about it on, on the Memorial Hospital episode where, you know, walking by that building before it became this fancy hotel that it is now used to give me like the creeps. Mm-hmm. You know, I couldn't really put my finger on it, but I just didn't ever feel good so much so that I would just cross the street to the other side of Central and keep walking because I didn't want to be close to that building. Uh, and there's a lot of that in New Mexico. I think you can get to certain areas where you just kind of feel that heaviness. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's Indian ruins south of Socorro where I grew up that you get that same kind of vibe where it's like something horrible happened here. But um, I've never had any firsthand actual ghost sightings or, you know, I have friends that have told me stories, but like you said, it's always like somebody else's story. Yeah. Yeah. So it's funny that you mentioned that giving you the creeps thing. So when I was in my early twenties, I lived on Walter street in this apartment. It was an old Victorian house. The two, there was like two studios on the bottom and then the upstairs had been turned into a two bedroom apartment where I lived there. And my roommate, Aaron and I lived there and we used to always joke around because we'd come home and the thermostat would be like just messed to all hell. Like it would be either super hot in the summer, super cold in the winter. And I'd be like, did you turn the air conditioning on in the middle of December? And she'd be like, no, I didn't touch it. I've been at work. And I'd be like, okay, cool. I've been gone. And it would always, so we were joking around and we started calling it the toasty ghosty. (laughs) Look at you toasty ghosty. (laughs) Because it was like always blazing hot. We'd get home and we'd be like, who turned the damn thermostat on? It's the middle of summer. Like, and it was like a constant, like annoying problem that we had, but we just always joked. We're like, it's broken, whatever. We don't know. So fast forward to last year. Okay. Yep. So we're driving. I'm driving with my friend, Jen, just driving, you know, and I'm like, Hey, there's my old apartment. And I'm telling her that's cool. That's where I used to live. And she's like, you used to live there. And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, my brother used to live there. And I'm like, really? When? And so apparently her brother moved in when we moved out. So apparently somebody was murdered in that apartment. And I was like, I didn't know that. And she's like, yeah, somebody got stabbed in there and they died. And I was just like, what? (laughs) So maybe that's, maybe he was the toasty ghosty. Maybe he was really sensitive to temperature. Must have been. Or you get cold if you lose all that blood. Yeah. Uh, Well, he was, yeah, apparently somebody broke in. It was like, it was like a person who was having some mental issues and on some serious drugs and they were going to try to break in and steal things. And he was home and he got stabbed and died. So... That happened in my old apartment. I didn't know. I just knew the thermostat just kept messing around. And so, toasty ghosty, I'm looking at you. Yeah, I, I had stuff happen to me up uh, in Las Vegas. Yeah. Uh, well, in the mountains. Uh, There's a camp I used to work out called uh, El Porvenir. And um, this is a story that I wanted to send to you. And I've already talked about it during our Halloween episode last time. Um, but I can, I can share it if you want. 
Okay. All right. So, uh, um, so I'd go up there for these work weekends in the winter and it's, the camp originally was a hotel for, it was like a waste stop for miners and cowboys doing a shortcut through the Sangre de Cristos. Mm -hmm. And so it's burned down twice. Not Not spooky at all. And like, so there's this old chow hall and I remember when it was still used. So like, I worked in the kitchen when it was still used. I was a camper and it was still used. It's not used anymore. Um, but it's still open and they used it for the fireplace because it's really warm. It's it's nice. So anyways, my friend Andrew and I were in there uh, one winter work and we, and they, the camp has its own mill. So like burn as much wood as you want. Like, so we were in there, we were warming up because it was kind of snowing out. And um, so the, there was a door just to the left of the fireplace. So the, you used to go into the old mail room and um, we're sitting there. Remember that the building has been winterized. Like the only doors that are open are the front doors. So we close them because it's cold. <laughs> and uh, we're sitting there and we're talking and the fire's going and we're warming up. And then all of a sudden the door goes, Arr! And we're like, that was kind of weird. And then we stood up and it went, Voomph. like it slammed shut. And we're like, that's strange, you know? And so we got up and we opened it, looked around, like everything was shut, everything was sealed. Like there, all the other doors were sh- like, it's winterized. Like there's no draft, there's nothing. Like it was weird. Um, and so when we got up, we sat, and then we went over and sat down again and started talking. And, and it started going, and it went, Arr! again. And then I stopped hard in the middle of the swing. And we're like, looking at each other like did you see that and then it starts going hurt 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 like back and forth like hard stop hard open wow and then we we stand up and it stops and it's like but like at first we were kind of startled but it was kind of, kind of playful i like would have noped my way around yeah for sure like, no. i'm no. leaving tonight no. never coming back again <laughs> yeah, nope. no and then and then we were all like like dude like are, are you done like we're just trying to warm up and it stopped Wow. It just stopped. And then, but like every time you walk by that building at night, like you feel like something is staring at you. That's no, that's actually true because yeah. Ryan, you got married there. And mm-hmm. I remember staying in that building cause they turned part of it into like these little apartment, like of. not bunk houses, but they were like, yeah, yes. like studio apartments mm-hmm. for people to stay. And I remember being super creeped out by the room we were staying in. And it, it literally just had that vibe of like, someone's looking at you while you sleep and you're just like, this is a modern room. Like I should not feel this way. Like, why do I feel this way? I, I used to have to walk by it every night to go, go back to my cabin. Um, cause the new chow hill. Yeah. Is up, is up the hill. And, uh, it's, but I had to do it all summer for two summers in a row. And then by the end of the second summer, I was like, what's up? <laughs> like, yes, I know you're there. Hi. I don't know where you are exactly, but I'm just walking by. Well, my favorite thing was when, okay, so he worked up there for a summer and he's like, let's go on a hike. And we're like, cool. Yeah, let's hike in the woods. Yay. Hiking's fun. It's not. (laughs) I disagree. (laughs) And we like stop in the middle of this trail a little partially up and Ryan like veers off to the left, like in the middle of nowhere in the woods. And I'm like, where are you going? There's no trail there. And he's like, just, just, just follow me. Just, and I'm like, okay. And uh, I know where to turn. And if you make the certain turn on a trail that goes out of the camp, uh, there is totally a graveyard in the middle of the woods. Yeah. With like a stone little half fence around it. And there's like three or four graves in there. And there's like Masonic symbols on it and stuff. It was bizarre because I like we didn't know where he was going. And it was in the middle of nowhere. And there was just like a nice little little graveyard. And we were just like, okay, well. This is super creepy. Yeah, the last and most recent graves, like from the 50s. So wow. it's not like too old, but like then they go back to like where they're not even marked anymore. I want to go check it out. Yeah, I'll show you sometime. Okay. Yeah. Oh, ghost hunting. Oh, like I've had, like I've had. I will not be 
going? <laughs> it's like, well, like I've had like a night of staying in a cabin where this with the wind keep blowing open the door, and uh, and you know people were camping outside too. I talked to them next, next day, and they're like, "Did did you did, did you see all that wind that was having to get blowing my, my door open?" They're like, "There's there's no wind." Wow. Yeah, and so like there used to be a brothel up there too, and you can still see like the, the suggestive oh, the names uh, on the carved on the side of the cabins. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. It's so. always a brothel. You're it's right. It's always a brothel, yeah. I feel like. There's or just a, a mental hospital. Or yeah. There. there is one on the way up. Yeah. 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 The Vegas, the one in Vegas, right? Uh-huh. That one's yeah. known to be haunted, too. Yeah, oh, I'm sure. Oh. Yeah, you we just keep going up that yeah. road. There's a lot of haunted places in Las Vegas. Yeah. Well, it's one of the oldest, like, big cities. Yeah. Well, it was a big city for New Mexico. Yeah, it's up in Montezuma, where the camp is, so you're just going straight up the hill. I mean, I don't doubt it. I know that, like, we've... When we lived in Santa Fe, there was always, like, interesting little tidbits of history and ghost sightings and things people would talk about kind of like you'd have a couple drinks first and then they'd be like, well, this well, one, the spirits, you know? Yeah. This one, this one time I saw blah, blah, blah. And you're just like, yeah, man, take another drink. <laughs> I see him right now. <laughs> I love it. So people can definitely contact you, get some ghost stories, which is super cool. We have an important question to ask you. Oh, you're doing this. I'm doing this. You didn't do it. So I'm going to do it. Fine. Okay, are you ready? Yeah. Okay, red or green? Both. Ooh, okay, now, not a relative's house. Where do you go in town for good chili? Cervantes. Okay. Ooh, we just bought a jar. No, our parent, my parents from Oregon who are... Gringos? Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they bought some chili that was too hot. It was like the Cervantes, like red chili in the jar, and they like gave it to Lorenzo, and they're like, here, you'll enjoy this. And he's oh, like, yeah. this is delicious. So where does that actually rate on the on spicy um, Lorenzo? Well, you know what? It's, it's funny because it's, um, it's a different taste. It's, it's, it's a, the Cervantes red chili, it is, it's got a more of a sweet taste. They had a bunch of sugar. I don't know what they do to it, but it's good. So I don't know. You don't think it's that spicy? No, it's not super spicy. Not like compared to Santa Fe red chili? No, Santa Fe red chili... <laughs> Yeah, it's so, a different level. So I'm from Socorro, okay. and I will stand by this until the day Lemitar. I die. Yeah, lemon tar chili is going to be hatch every single oh, time. Ooh, Especially the green chili. The green chili, just it, the flavor is so good. Like, I'll bring you guys some. I have some in okay. my house. It's amazing. It's going to change your life because... You, I'm ready for this. Yeah. So in Socorro, you're just going to get Socorro chili, and it's yes. the best. Here, Cervantes, I don't know about their jarred chili, but in the restaurant... They're, the food is so good. It's like your grandma cooked it. They have, you know, they have a little old lady in the back rolling out the tortillas fresh. Um, it's stuck in time. If you go during a holiday, it's insane. There's like a holiday explosion. It's like they have three attics full of holiday decorations and it just goes everywhere. It's amazing. You know, I love Cervantes. We went that one time. Do you remember? And I was sitting in there and I'm like, I bet this place was like the place to be like back in 1950s. You could see like how it, the glamour, like it was there for sure, but it is stuck in time. But that's what I love about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's perfect. No. And I think Lorenzo ha- has a soft spot in his heart for lemon tart chili too. No, my, my parents, my, my parents, like, so I'll, I'll just eat whatever my parents make, but my parents are like, no, it's not about hatch. Like, forget that. Like lemon tart. That's my parents say, like lemitar chili. I'm like, okay, cool. Just like show me how to make it. Like I'll make it, and you make it. Like let's eat, let's eat it. Let's have fun. Let's whatever. But lemitar apparently is better than Hatch. I will, I will make a controversial statement. Do it. Hatch chili is overrated. Ooh, Ooh. I also heard 
that the name Hatch was bought by some California company. Is that true? I don't know about that. Uh, That's what I heard. Somebody needs to research that. I know. Yeah. Look it up, Lorenzo. You're the data guy. <laughs> it's overrated, though. I'll do it now. <laughs> but, and, and if you want good red chili, you have to go up north. You have to get Chimayo red chili. It's the oh, best. Okay. All right. Lorenzo's giving a thumbs up. And green chili um, for any restaurant, would you say Cervantes, or what's your second choice? Um, if you couldn't go there. If I couldn't go there, I would probably go to the El Camino in Socorro. Okay. Okay. Shout or, out to Socorro. Yeah, or El Sombrero. Those are those are good restaurants. They're, they're just, New Mexican food, you can't go wrong with it. And it depends on what you're looking for. Like, uh, I don't want to make anybody mad, but like, I'll go to Los Cuates. I like their food. I like their chili. I don't like their salsa. So it just depends on where, you know, what you like. You kind of get different things from different places. So recently I thought it was really cool and I want to do just a little brief shout out. We got a really cool message on our Instagram from some listeners, uh, I think who are Australian. They are moving back to the U.S. stateside from Australia. And they're they're I think they're thinking about moving here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so um, <laughs> what would you suggest if maybe they're they're new to New Mexican food? What, what would be a good starter thing to order at one of those restaurants? We don't want to scare them. We want yeah. to get their palate ready for what's to come. Well, you can always start with your chili on the side. That way you can add more. You can't. That's what I do. Yeah, you can't really take off, you know, the chili, but you can add more. So do it on the side. Uh, I am a huevos rancheros mm -hmm. over medium Christmas corn tortilla on the bottom flour on the side. I like it. We're all nodding our heads. <laughs> We're all nodding and we're like, yep. Yes. I do like Duran's, the pharmacy. Mm -hmm. I'm starting to appreciate them a lot more than I used to. That's kind of lately, like if I've been wanting like New Mexican food, like in town, that's like top of my list, I think. Have you ever had Cecilia's breakfast burritos with red chili? Not with red. I've had them though. And they're good. Side note. <laughs> Okay, we're just going to go off in the weeds for a yes. minute about chili because that's what we do in New Mexico. Chris, who is a friend of ours, mutual in this room, he put up a post today that Cecilia is doing her cooking on the sidewalk. I saw that. Yes, yeah, so you can go to Cecilia's downtown. She is cooking. It is happening. Game on. Get your chili. That red chili <laughs> is the hottest red chili. It's so good. Yeah. I can't say good, enough good stuff about it. <laughs> yeah, so she is definitely making food. I think she's on, what, 6th and... And Central. Central. Well, yeah. like, she's on... Was that gold? Yeah. That's gold, yeah. Yeah. She, you can't miss it. It's... Yeah. So she's making chili. She's making food. It's happening down there. Go support local. Get yeah. some red chili, some green chili, some burritos. Walk around downtown. Look at the art. It's amazing right now. Yeah. Is there anything else that you want to share? Well, I just want to say thank you for having me on. And, yeah, I guess that's it. <laughs> I just wanted to thank you, and I wanted to thank you for wearing my favorite shirt of all time that you're wearing. His shirt is one of his True Consequences podcast shirts. Um, it's a merch shirt, and it says, don't talk to me unless it's about weird-ass shit. <laughs> That's my favorite. So thank you. It's, it's my forever mood. Yes. <laughs> so if you have some weird-ass shit that you want to talk to, um, you want to have on the show, one more time, how can they get a hold of you so they can tell you about their weird-ass shit for the podcast? Yeah, the, so trueconsequences.com, thosespookennials.com, and you can find us on social media two consequences pod or those spaghettios great thanks yeah thank you what's up abq asks you to show some love and to shop our local businesses albuquerque we're proud to support our friends at mama bear candle company in gifts new mexico a local business with local crafts located at the intersection of Candelaria and Eubank in the Scottsdale Village Shopping Center, 3107 Eubank Northeast. Mama Bear Candles and Gifts specializes in locally made products handmade by local artisans. 
If you love candles, Mama Bear has an incredible selection of scents to fill your home with soothing aromas like coffee house, lavender vanilla, and good old New Mexico pine. Bring your pet while you shop. Open Wednesday through Saturday, 10 to 4 at 3107 Eubank in the Scottsdale Village Shopping Center. You can also order online at mamabearcandlesnm.com and pick up your order at the store. Handcrafted from our home to yours, Mama Bear Candle Company in Gifts, New Mexico is What's Up ABQ. MamaBearCandlesNM.com Thanks for listening to this episode of What's Up ABQ, the podcast about all the great things, people, and places in the Duke City. Every week, we introduce you to local businesses and establishments that we hope you'll continue to support during this weird time of social distancing. If you would like to be featured on a future episode, contact us at abqwhatsup at gmail.com or visit whatsupabq.com. What's Up ABQ is part of the Borellus Podcasters Guild and is produced by Ryan Freeman and Lindsay Dominguez with post-production by Paul Nixon at paulnixonvo.com. Support local businesses you hear about on this podcast. Let us know about other ones we should feature and leave us a review on your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening to What's Up ABQ and we'll talk to you next week. Yeah.